Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Sean Michael Greener, big deal. I'm just a regular dude doing a regular thing. And uh, welcome, by the way, to the people in chat. You've reached the collision of faith and politics. And I'm putting a thing on uh, Facebook right now talking about this live on the radio right now. Log, log in. Um, all right. So you guys know, you guys know that, uh, you know, pretty much anybody that's, you know, been looking at the marketing for the show, you pretty much know, I'm going to talk about, I have an apology to make. I was wrong about something very, very important. It's not like me to be wrong, and I don't say that to be some kind of full of myself kind of dude, but I usually really am careful about what I say. But in this case, I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. And uh, when we're grown folks, we're supposed to do our best to not be wrong, but when we are wrong, it's to admit it, confess it, and then move on, move forward, move upward. But I was something something that I was very, very wrong about. I'm here to sincerely apologize for it, and I'm going to ask for your forgiveness. Um, it's not like me to be so wrong about something so big, but I'm usually, you know, I'm usually so well-researched and well-prepared. Every time I speak publicly, I travel all over the country, and, you know, I'm glad to come to your town um, and speak to your organization, whatever group. Uh, I do keynote and seminars and things like that. So, you know, I got to I gotta be honest about it. So we're going to do that today on today's show. We're going to talk about – anyway, so the reason – what I'm struggling with here is I'm so mad, you know, and I'm big enough to admit when I'm wrong, and I'm also big enough to admit that, uh, that you know what, uh, something just made me so mad, so mad that I'm adding it to the show – Last minute. And I'm so mad about it that I'm, I'm going to flip the other end of the show. I don't even know when we'll get to it, but uh, we're going to get to it. I want to talk to you really quickly. This isn't the thing. Well, I am mad about this. By the way, thank you to all of our veterans all across this great globe. 
God's green earth, ocean, and in the air. We thank you so much to all of our veterans. We thank you for your daily sacrifice. And uh, we miss our brother, Sean. He's he's busy. He's out there doing his thing. Also for uh, my nephew, one of my, well, two of my nephews are active duty, and one of them's getting ready to deploy again. So our prayers go out to you. Hey, listen, you know, we appreciate our military. I, I was a veteran. I am a veteran, actually. Um, hold on one second here. People are saying, hey, I can't log into the show. Every week it's, it's something. So anyway, um, how do I put this? i got to think about this before I – well, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll just say it. I'll just say it. We don't – we, this group of people who are here, assembled here – by the way, chat is open – uh, feel free to join us. It's a great group over there. Um, except for this group. This group is awesome, and the groups I speak to all around the country, they're awesome. But I have to be honest with you, the rest of America has, just has no concept that we're at war. They really don't. You know, they really, really don't. They're in left field. They think the only thing happening in the world is what they see just right in front of them, right? Uh, you know, the, do they get their show DVR? Do they? Did they? You know, do they get that sale they were looking for? Whatever the case may be. Um, you know, and then maybe there's some other stuff that's really important too. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying stuff isn't important. I'm not saying families don't have important stuff going on. They absolutely don't. But let me tell you, soldiers in jeopardy, at risk, folks, that's, it's important stuff. I mean, it really, really is important stuff. By the way, thank you, Jerry, uh, my great buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania. Just watched the last Downton Abbey uh my dear, sweet friend, his wife, um, recorded it. And I have to tell you, I watched it, too. They're the ones that got me hooked on Downton Abbey, by the way. Wow, such a show. Well, um, I'll be going back over and watching them all on uh, the Amazon Prime thing. And I have to tell you, probably, as far as I'm concerned, the best show that's ever been on television. I mean, it's really, really well done. They decided to end after six seasons. Uh, they're the most popular show ever, 270 million viewers. Ridiculous. All around the world. So really super good stuff. You know what? And I say, hey, that's important. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to see that show. I can DVR to get to it when I can. But you know what's what's so much more important than things like that? I mean, it's we have soldiers at risk. We have we have we have military members that are in harm's way. And I'm going to try to get this today. I'm going to try really hard to get this today, but I'm so mad about something our government is doing and not doing that, quite frankly, I'm thinking about organizing a, a trip to Washington, D.C. and storm Congress. You can, you can yell at the president all you want, or whoever you think is going to be president. I'm talking about storming Congress. They're the ones that pay the bills or not. They're the ones that mismanage all the money that we give them or that they confiscate from us. And they should be doing the right thing, as far as I'm concerned. 
but they're not. So I, I want to also say that we have a lot of uh, gold star families, and you know I, I talk about that a lot. But I have to say, you know, it never goes away for them. The loss, a gold star family is a is a uh, military family, whether it's a husband, wife, son, or daughter, brother, sister. Died on the battlefield, died in, in service to their country. And I have to tell you, uh, it never goes away. It never, ever goes away. So I just want you to understand that these people live around you, and you need to reach out to them. You need to do good things for them. Um, America's Mighty Warriors, I don't know of one that's that's a whole lot better than that one. They're, listen, uh, Debbie Lee, Mama Lee, she's she's been on the show many times. She'll be on the show again. And um, she's she's quite amazing. And I will say this to you. She does yeoman's work. She gets in and gets after it and gets it done. Um, so, look, if you got got something to do, uh, Operation 300, if, you, if, you're, if your thing is children, you want to help the children of, of kids who have lost their dad in, in battle, uh, then I don't think you can do any better than then Operation 300, Karen and Billy Vaughn, they've been on the show as well several times. I think it's really, really important. I don't think it is. I know it is. So there's lots of things that seem like they grab our attention, but newsflash, we gotta we got to stop with all this. we got to stop with all this. we we got to get in it to win it. We've got to get serious about uh, supporting our troops, and, and sadly, the folks that uh, – they give the ultimate sacrifices. Just nothing more you can give than that. I, I want to talk first because it relates to everything else. I, I did want to put this first because it relates to everything else. Click. By the way, did you guys uh, listen? The last two Sundays, go to theninjapastor.com, TheNinjaPastor.com or DrSeanGreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R, Greener, like greener than the grass, .com. You go there, you can listen for free. All the links are there. You go to the blog section, all the links, the fast links are there. Go, read the blogs, comment on them. It's free of charge. And um, we'd love for you to we'd love for you to follow what we do. And there's a donate page there, too, by the way. I always get yelled at. I don't mention that. Uh, there's a donate page if you want to participate in what we're doing. We fund all this ourselves. So we, the effort to be commercially viable is not something that, that drives me other than the fact that, you know, we can't spend money we don't have. So if, if you ever want to contribute to that, then we would absolutely love it if you would. We don't s- sell your name or any of your information. I never see – by the way, uh, I think it's a PayPal thing, the donate button and all that. I have professionals set that up and super, super attentive to security. I said I want the highest security that we can get, you know, safe – I want folks, if they do decide to give any of their money to what we do and contribute to what we do to partner with us, then I want it to be safe. So, so we did that. So anyway, I don't even, I have no access to it. I don't even see it. Let me, let me just talk really quickly. Anyway, the reason I brought up the Sundays, by the way, is because the last two Sundays I talked about John 3.16. And then I talked last Sunday about what if it wasn't true? What if John 3.16 wasn't true? You guys know what that is, right? You've been to football games. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only and unique Son, so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life, instead of being utterly destroyed. It's a brief verse, but it's pivotal. It's likely the most famous and most quoted of verses in the entire New Testament, or, or as the Hebrews say, uh, it epitomizes the truth of God that's come to Jews and Gentiles alike in Yeshua the Messiah. But what if it read like this? This is, this is Sean 3.16. I see uh, uh, Craig in chat has, has heard my translation of it. What if it was like this? What if it was up to me? You know, if I were God, what would I do? Because God didn't love the world. He refused to give his only and unique son for you bunch of losers with your incessant hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The only means of reversing the curse you brought upon yourselves was withheld from you because you don't deserve salvation. The created, the every single human being God created, and no one, they had no one to trust in and no one to save them, so everybody born was destined for utter destruction because you deserve it. Here's another way of reading it. This is me. This is just me. Because, because God didn't love the world, he refused to give his only unique son for me because I'm a loser. I have incessant hurts, habits, and hang-ups, big pile of them. The only means of reversing the curse I brought upon myself was withheld from me because I, I don't deserve salvation. Anyway, it's it's I, I think you'll find it interesting. I don't know if the people in chat, the ones that listen, can testify to that. Um, it, it, there's a blog post, if you can think of it, if you listen to it and you were blessed by it, or even if you said, this sucks, this is the worst thing I've ever heard, uh, go to chat and, and leave a comment. I re- really love that. TheNinjaPastor.com, go to blog. Go down there to the thing. Uh, comments really make a big difference. I, I tell you what, I'm learning that. Anyway, for the 900th time, you people keep interrupting me. <sighs> my lady tea. I'm drinking my lady tea. Lady Grey tea, uh, honey, local honey, and uh, let's see here. What else I put in it? Oh, coconut oil and Olba. Olba. Jerry says, uh, Jerry from chat says, both sessions were great. Um, or he says, sessions were great. It is incomprehensible how much God loves us. Man, isn't that ever true? And then Craig in chat says, both Sunday shows are worth the time spent listening. Hey, if you get a chance, go to the ninjapastor.com over the blog, go down to the relevant thing, click on that, uh, and you can leave a comment. We would love that. That really, really, really. Yeah, Steve from Ohio says, what do you mean, you people? Folks, you're so sensitive. Go to your safe place, Steve. Go to your safe place. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Not safe place. Safe space. Safe space. Anyway, for the 9554th time, clickbait. What is clickbait and why is it so dangerous? Hey, you guys have heard of that, right? Clickbait. I, I think most people have. Well, clickbait if if you don't know what it is, if you're on social media or you're on really quite frankly, if you're on the internet, if you're on the internet at all, you're going to know what clickbait is. Now, those of you who have followed what I do for a long, a long time know that I was hired by a, a pretty big time blog. I think they're one of the top, probably five or ten. Um, you know, C- Craig says I'm exhibiting signs of microaggression. Um, <laughs> sad, isn't it? Gosh, so weak. We're raising wussies. Anyway, um, does anybody ever say that anymore, by the way? You're such a wuss. 
Anyway, clickbait. So I worked with this. I worked with this um, this blog. They hired me to uh, to write, but. I tell you, the more I did it, the more I just felt smarmy. I felt like this is all about clicks. It's not about, and they always wanted a really catchy uh, headline. And sometimes the headline didn't match that they wrote, wouldn't match what I wrote, and and or the story. They but they they want you to click on it because they don't get paid clickbait. You want the people to click on your story because once they click on the story, they get paid uh, for impressions. They get, I think that's the term they use, impressions. So they get paid for that. Is where they make, and it, and it might be tiny. It might be just the ever so small. I mean, literally tiny amount of money. Seriously, just really tiny. But you know what? Money is money. That's how they make their money. And some of them make a ton of money. You know, you, millions of visitors to a to a website can mean, you know, a hundred thousand dollars potentially to the owner of the website a month. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge money. But it's little bits of money, but when there's a gazillion people. So you want more people to click on it. Now, why is it dangerous? Well, you go to the Facebook and you see, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can find, uh, I don't know that I can find one right quick here. Right quick here. Hey, you hear about that nanny that cut the head off of her uh, Muslim nanny over in, in uh, what is it, uh, Russia? She she cuts the head off a little four-year-old that she's supposed to be watching. First of all, let me just say this. Um, if you allow if you allow a Muslim of any type, male, female, anything, you allow them to have anything to do with your children, you're a fool. You are a fool. Now they're saying, Oh, this lady, she has mental health problems. She's that's why. You know what her problem is? She's a Muslim. Because if you read the Quran, I've read it three times. By the way, uh, Bill Federer, um, this show isn't getting as many clicks as I would like it to get. <laughs> Clickbait. No, it's not getting as many listens as I would like. Share that. Go to the blog, theninjapastor.com. I talk about that show. See, each one I do a little thing. You send that to somebody or highlight the highlight the web address up there in the whatever that thing is called, and then you put it in whatever you think, send it around and get people to listen. The lesson, that, that'll rock your world. That'll rock your world. Bill Federer, yeah, that Bill Federer, he was on my show, and a little over an hour, and I'm telling you, no commercials, by the way, didn't go to a single commercial. Super, super amazing. And he'll tell you, look, you know, read read the freaking holy book that he subscribed to, and you will see. Uh, crazy folks. And then people say, well, I'm not that way. I don't do that. I'm just a regular Muslim. What's a regular Muslim? One that can't read? Most of them, by the way, can't read. Yeah, I know. I understand. Over here in this country, they can read. I get that. But I'm saying most Muslims, the uh, they, the most of them can't read. I mean, it's just sorry. I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings. Well, I don't care if I hurt their feelings. So this Muslim nanny is supposed to take care of this these nice people's children. They hire her. She's wearing full on hijab and uh, cuts the head off a four year old. She says demons told her to do it. You know, who the demon was the demon was the religion. Air quotes. Religious, political, and military, RPM, whose ideology says you, you, you kill in the name of Islam, it's, you're all good. Kill the innocents. That's what we do. So an example of clickbait, not to make light of, but this is a great example. 
let's say, you know, this is an article or a video talking about uh, this woman who literally cut the head off of a live, by the way, thank you, Jerry, the the illiteracy rate worldwide for Muslims is over 80%. Only 20%, a little less than 20% can read worldwide, worldwide. So what do they do? They depend on somebody to tell them what the Quran says and what they're supposed to do. And, and trust me, if they could read it, they'd know it's horrible anyway. But they'd also know that half the crap that they're told to do is just some dude being weird. So, you know, this, this woman, this animal, says, you know, I, I was told to cut the head off of this child. And so I did. But so let's say... Uh, Local Russian, local Russian children heads are flying, flying off, or whatever. I don't know. There's so many, so many things. Well, then you click on it, and it talks about this woman who cuts the head off of a four-year-old. And then she takes it to the bus station, walks around with it in her hand, screaming and yelling a bunch of Muslim crap. And she's got this child's, four-year-old child's head in her hand, severed head in her hand. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Now, they tackled her. They tackled her, and a lot of people said, the Russians, I thought, were tougher than that. Why didn't, they, why didn't they kill her? Well, because they didn't know where that head came from. They needed to know where this woman came from so that if there's any other children in peril, anybody else is in danger, they can hopefully interview her right quick and get to where that house is. Because how are they going to know? Well, they got this head of a child. Yeah, this sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, wake up, civilization, civilized people. But Buddy Jerry, uh, further comments, 57 Muslim countries are the poorest in the world, even with oil in a few of them. It ought to tell you something. Clickbait. It's dangerous. Well, what happens is a lot of times, not a lot of times, most of the time, the title, the headline, to try to get you to click on it, isn't representative of of what's in there. And I'll tell you what else, too. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Glenn Beck. You guys know that. Uh, I've met him several times. I've spent, you know, a fair amount of time with him. And um, I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a good guy. Uh, I think he's built an incredible empire. He's done some amazing things. He's certainly been amazing uh, at at people doing great things for other human beings. Uh, But I don't think he's all, I don't know that he's all there. Um, I know that he's he's really... uh, peeled back the truth on a lot of really difficult things, but I don't know that I don't know that he is really, really dealing on an even keel at this point. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. But a lot of things he's been doing has just been crazy. A lot of things he's been saying have been crazy. But one of the things he didn't say is that he's going to stab Donald Trump. Well, there's this clickbait going around with the title. So Glenn Beck says uh, he he's can't wait to stab Donald Trump or something like that. You know what I'm saying. Well, the interview reveals it doesn't have anything to do with that. Oh, another great example would be, I just remembered this. Um, You know, God rest her soul, Nancy Reagan, 94 years old, beloved wife of of one of the greatest presidents of, of our time, Ronald Reagan. She passed away, of course. You guys know that. Passed away yesterday. So, uh, there's a headline that says, you know, it has a picture of George Bush, George W. Bush, 43, and says, the world is shocked at what George Bush said about um, Nancy Reagan, the death of Nancy Reagan. 
And then it just shows the letter, a copy of the letter that he wrote to the world saying, hey, we just lost a great, great person, an elegant person. Shocked? Stupid. So you click on it, clickbait. They make money. They don't care. These things on uh, Facebook, by the way, uh, like if you love this little kitty. Click like and say amen if you love Jesus. I love Jesus. I do love Jesus, but I don't click on any of them. If you love Jesus, you'll share. If you don't, if you're ashamed of Jesus, you'll just keep on scrolling. Well, usually there is code locked into that that is designed to make money for the originator. It goes all the way back to the originator. It's clickbait. Well, you feel guilty, so you click on it. Well, why is it so dangerous? Because a lot of people don't read the freaking article. I have it. I have you go to the ninjapastor.com, go to the blog section, you read the comments. Read the comments. You'll be amazed. And, and so I'll I'll be real nice. I'll say, you know, uh Joe Schmuckatelli, did you read? Did you happen to read the article that you're maligning? Because I'm not positive you did. And and when you do read it, when you do go back and read it, you're gonna feel silly. I'll accept your apology. Yeah, you're right. Jerry just said, when you see the word shocked, weird, anything like that, uh, stunning, just delete it because there's going to be some level of – and I'll tell you what else, too. When you click on those, you guys know this. You click on those, man, it's crazy business. The pop-ups and it's just nuts. It's just nuts. So all that said to say this, um, that's clickbait. But why it's so dangerous is so many people, they'll they'll look at the headline and they'll go – uh, you know, he's crazy. Oh, Joe Smuckatelli owes Steve in Ohio money. I will pass that along. I'll send you I'll send you information on Joe Smuckatelli. Yeah, he's known for that. Writes dumb comments and articles he doesn't read, and he owes people money. So here's the thing. Here's the crazy, crazy thing. Let me get a, a little sip of Oh, by the way, I put in my tea two tablespoons of um, coconut oil. They tell me that's going to help me. I do it with my coffee, too, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to help me or not. It makes my hair pretty, though. Well, that's what I think. So so, so people, you know, they'll they'll write this really angry response. And I think click, clickbait to me is a lot like the air quotes article. People will write a post. They'll have a blog, and they'll write something, and then people will quote that person. I use honey, too, by the way, Steve. I put honey in there, too. Um, I have to tell you, uh, you know, look, it's not an article. It's not something for you to quote as the truth. If some blogger, even me, you know, don't quote me. I mean, quote me if you want to, but realize that I'm not saying I know anything special. Unless I say, look, this is absolute fact. I'm absolutely sure of this. But but when you're you're not quoting news, you're not breaking news if you do that. So people get on this clickbait thing where it talks about Glenn Beck says he wants to stab so and so, and so what do they do? They go to the comments and they say that guy's a freaking nut. He's mental, which you know he's got some problems. I'm 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 guaranteeing that. But he put himself in the line of fire. He did a lot of good. I don't listen to him. I don't watch his stuff. But I'm not, I'm not against anybody that does. It's just you know, after a while I just start watching him and I say, eh, not my cup of tea. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, that, that really crazy thing. Folks, you know, at some point or another, you got to read. you got to read the article you're maligning. you got to read it. 
You can't, you can't just, well, I guess you can if you want to look dumb. There's nothing worse than being stupid, unless you're poor. Nothing worse than being poor and stupid. And if you think about it, if you think about it, you're probably poor because you're stupid. I don't know. I don't know. I'm poor. I must be stupid. Anyway, what am I saying here? You know, people make comments. They'll get all fired up. They spend all their emotional energy. You can't fix stupid. They spend all their energy on something that's not even true. They get all mad. Oh, that's it. I'm going off. I'm going off. I get it. I get it. I get I really do get, you know, you like what you like. You like the candidate you like. And, and I am and I always tell people this. I, look, I put this on, uh, well, here's a good one. Here's a good one. I was talking about clickbait. Alabama considers castrating sex offenders. Right? So you're like, what? And you click on it, and it's not even, not even representative. You know, there's just so many. I'm not going to name because I don't want to give them. I don't want to give them. Uh, I don't want to give them more clicks. To be real honest with you, I really don't. All I said to say this, I've said that about 900 times, haven't I? By the way, Facebook is blowing up. What's the deal? Um, I don't have. Just so you know, I don't have any. Um, I don't have, I don't think, I don't think I have. No, 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 5,000. Yeah, I've been over 5,000 forever. Um, but you can click on follow on Facebook. You can click on follow. So just click on follow on Facebook. Follow me at The Ninja Pastor on the Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I think that's it. And then and then you can subscribe on my uh, blog. You can subscribe. There's a subscribe thing there. Anyway. Look, you know, we gotta we gotta dig a little deeper. We gotta be we gotta be more. We have to be more. I want to say intelligent, but just discerning than that. Let me look a little deeper. If you want to click on a clickbait and you say, "Is this what I think it is?" I'll tell you what else you can do on uh, on the Facebook. You can block that. You click on that little thing to the right above the post. And if uh, there's one, I'm not going to say the name of it, starts with a P and ends with Lee. Stupid, stupid website. They never have on. It's all clickbait. And and it's the articles are so poorly done. And frankly, I don't trust the thing they say. Well, I block all those. I don't see any of those on my Facebook. And I click on that little down arrow. You ever see it? It says, unfollow so-and-so, hide all from Virginian Pilot, which is the newspaper. It's a great newspaper. I'm going to talk about an article they have here in a little bit. Stop seeing posts, but stay friends. Hide all. Uh, report posts. Save link. Turn off notifications. Blah blah blah. All all this stuff. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. So you don't have to see it. So if after a while, you're like, look, you know, I, I'm I'm tired of reading these stupid things. I just I'm worn out over it. You know, I'm worn out. I can't. Do another one. You know? Can't do it. Cannot do it. Just can't do another one. So you click on that. It gets it out. You don't even you don't even have to see it. 
That's what I'm just trying to help y'all. Just trying to be helpful, be a blessing. Oh, glad to have my dear friend Lynn listening. Good to have you listening. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to have you listening. Sure do love you, girl. I hope uh hope your husband's doing better and high five to your to your children. You know I love them. She's always been telling me about coconut oil too. She has. I got a, a bunch of friends and one in particular was very convincing. So finally I did it. Anyway, I I do it every day, so I try to do it every day, so hopefully it'll help. Anyway, I'm just saying, the point I'm trying to make about this clickbait is it is dangerous because it leads you down a path. If you if you respond, if you respond before reading what's in there, you're going to feel dumb, but you're going to and if you, and what's worse than that, if you spread it around, if you forward it, come on, you're giving airtime to dumb stuff or you're forwarding something and you're and you're you haven't read it and you're saying rah, 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 you know well maybe it's not that all right so i want to talk about something else now clickbait brings up something else i want to talk about civility being civil being civil to one another now we're you know this is <laughs> there's a, a democrat in the uh, in the white house you know there's a democrat in the white house the republic is going to vote on a on uh, on another person, you know, and whoever your person is, good for you. By the way, I'm <sighs> people send me the nicest notes. I get death threats all the time. I love, I read them because they make me laugh, but, um, but some of the notes are just so nice. They're so nice. People are so kind. So, civility. That's that's an that's an example of being civil. I mean, somebody saying, "Hey, I don't believe anything you say. Uh, I think you may possibly be an idiot, but you know what? I can't fault you for your honesty about what you believe. I can't fault you." about what you believe. You believe passionately and you've you've written a passionate article here. Today I had fifty comments. Fifty on the ninjapastor.com on the blog section. Fifty today. Of that fifty I I could keep maybe, I don't know, forty. Uh several were that I had to eliminate were spam and then some of them were just crazy. Crazy. I kept some of the ones that were crazy though and I I wanted to show them I wanted to show them. I, I wanted to show people, look, this is what silly, crazy people, silly, crazy people, this is what they do. Sometimes they do it. Sometimes they do it. Hey, by the way, I, I want to share this with you because I did get a lot of uh, questions about this. I did a post uh, refuting what was allegedly an abcnews.com post. Well, it wasn't an abcnews.com. It was uh, they were trying to look like, uh, imitate ABC News, and they weren't ABC News. They were they were a fake site, and they had a bunch of stuff on there. That looks really, really real. Uh, but you know what? The the fact of the matter is, most of the time, it's 
they're fake. You got to look all the way at the bottom. Got to go all the way to the bottom. Go all the way to the bottom and see, you know, is it, am I really looking at abc.com, uh, abcnews.com, cbsnews.com, any of those? Am I really looking at those? Um, I, I think it's interesting because there's one that's real, fact checked. Did the Better Business Bureau rate Trump University? During the debate, he was saying, hey, you know, and somebody said there was a – now, this is, an, this is an example of clickbait. Somebody forwarded it. They didn't research it. Um, Megyn Kelly said during a Fox News – said during the debate, most recent debate, the 11th debate, they said uh, – let's see here. Trump University at the center of an ongoing scandal. Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump is finding himself on the defensive about the business venture. We have a 98% approval rating. We have an A from the Better Business Bureau, uh, and people like it, Trump said at the GOP primary debate. Rival Marco Rubio said Trump's claim was false. That's a D minus. Go on to my website. Fox News host and debate moderator Megyn Kelly intervened, confirming Rubio was right. The rating from Better Business Bureau was a D minus, and it was a result of a number of complaints they received. Trump shot back that the rating was elevated to an A. Rubio also pointed out that Trump had claimed that he had handpicked instructors at the school, factcheck.org. However, pointed out that in a de- deposition, a top school executive admitted that no, none of the instructors had been chosen by Trump. In reality, the school, which is currently facing a class action lawsuit of 5,000 people who say they were scammed, has received several ratings from the Consumer Interest Organization. According to the PolitiFact investigation, the Better Business Bureau has given Trump school ratings ranging from A-plus to D-minus, but the most recent rating recorded in 2010 was a D-minus rating. Okay, fair enough. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm down with that. If, if that's fact, if that's absolute fact, great, I'm down with that. Let's get the facts out. So we have to dig. Let's make sure we're dealing with a, an actual site, which we are, you go to the bottom, you look at, you know, who it's from. Uh, you know, you can do a Google search and say, hey, is this real? And and you'll be able to do that. It's easy. Piece of cake. But here's the thing. If you disagree, if you're... Um, oh, you can also block people if they're mean on Facebook. You can also block people. One of my great listeners has just reminded me of that. There's all kinds of things you do on Facebook. Sometimes it's not the right thing to do. Sometimes you hurt people's feelings. I unfriend you. You know, that type of thing. Sometimes it hurts people's feelings. You may be trying to make a point, but... So I'm saying be civil. Think it through. Think through what you type. Think through what you say. See, the thing is, we're going to talk more about this in a couple of minutes. Unfortunately, Donald Trump, you know, we're not going to make this up. This is not a lie. This is something if you if you don't live under a rock... His manner is brusque. It's 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 crude. There's all kinds of crudeness coming from there. But I'm gonna, I'm going to explain some of that here in a little bit. It's going to make sense to you. You're not going to agree with it. I still don't agree with it. But it will make sense. It will make sense to you. But here's here's a little, you know, there's a tip for you. He is being like this not just because he's like this, but because there's a huge audience out there that that appeals to them. They're mad. They're sick of it. They were on the edge of being lacking civility anyway. And then he just gave them the license. He he lubed the rails. So here's a note on civility and some facts most people ignore. You know, 
Civility doesn't mean weakness, folks. It doesn't mean weakness. If you're civil, that doesn't mean you're weak. And my friends, being incessantly brusque doesn't equate to evil. Look, there are some people who are just brusque. They're brusque. They're rude. They're crude. They're the way they put things. It's gross. They do things in a way that you think, oh, come on. What do I say? I say, hey, that's not very presidential. But he's counting on that, by the way. I'll talk more about that in a second. That's what he's counting on for you to go, that's not very presidential. There's a subconscious reason he's doing that. And he's, he's, he's deploying psychology so well. So well. Anyway. Look, civility in the face of facts, whether the facts fall on our side of belief or in opposition, it, it doesn't matter. We've got to be civil either way. Once the facts come out, we've got to go, you know what? I was wrong about that. I've had to do that many, many times. Well, actually, not that many times. But I've had to say that. I've had to say, look, I was wrong. I believed this thing. I thought this was right. I researched it pretty, pretty hard. And you know what? I was wrong. I was flat out wrong. I, I'm really, really sorry. And I do it. I, I apologize. If I'm wrong, I apologize. My buddy Jerry, I mean, if you don't you don't you don't see a guy that that knows much more than he does. I mean, it's amazing. Donald Trump trademarked the phrase "Make America Great Again" in November of 2012, right after Mitt Romney lost. The strategy has been to run his campaign to a broad audience, even in the primaries. He's he's brilliant, folks. You may look at him and go, "He's dumb. He's he's misogynist. He's blah blah blah." No, he's he's trust me. He he ain't dumb. But look, when you see the facts, you've got to be civil about it. You can't be some kind of weirdo. It's just, well, that's fine if you want to believe that. Just say, hey, fair enough. You want to believe what you believe. I, I respect that. That's that's why America's the way. But let's not be ignorant to people because we're in this circular firing squad. We're shooting each other. Come on, it's stupid. Both groups of candidate supporters, look, no matter who you support, Cruz, Rubio, Kasich, uh, if you support Hillary or, or, or Bernie, I can't help you. I can't help you. But you know what? The left, they're not having to have these fights. You know why? Because they're saying, hey, our girl is Hillary. Yeah, Bernie's running, but come on. Hillary is our girl. Well, unless he's in jail. And even then, heck, we'll run a, we'll run a chick that's in jail. Why not? We're fighting each other. The conservatives are fighting each other. Of candidate supporters, I'm speaking to conservatives here. You've got to examine your own heart. You've got to examine your own online and in-person conduct openly. Say, conduct a, a, a really deep, searching, personal examination of your own heart. Where am I coming from here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I typing what I'm typing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I mean, we all have agendas. We use that term agendas like it's something wrong with it. As long as it's not an evil agenda, agenda's not bad. Everybody's got agendas. Everybody lives in agendas. We are an agenda-driven society. That's how we live. But look, no matter who you support, you've got to examine your own heart. You've got to say, hey, why am I doing what I'm doing? And then you've got to ask yourself, look, this is for real. I talk about the Center for Self-Governance all the time. By the way, I forgot to mention this. Dang it. Uh, I have a brain injury, and sometimes I forget stuff. 
I have a brain injury, and sometimes I forget stuff. Get it? That was a joke there. Boom, boom. Um, March 17th at the Rollins Center at Dover Downs in Dover, Delaware, there is a great event, uh, Pastors and Leaders Conference. You don't have to be a leader necessarily of a church or a religious organization or a political organization, but you can be involved. You're somebody that cares about stuff. Uh, it's an invite-only event, um, and, you, you know, there's a reason for that. And there's, I don't know, 800, 900 people there. It's, it's amazing. So they have uh, this year Tony Perkins. Yeah, that Tony Perkins. He's speaking, and he's really hard to get. So Delaware Family Policy Council, uh, Delaware Strong, they, you know, they have this every year, and it's it's really good for real. It's really really good. And so I have a couple of seats left at my table. Um, they kind of went quicker than I thought. I thought it would take longer than to fill them. I I don't know why anybody would want to sit and watch me eat a continental free continental breakfast. It's not really free because you're going to have to pay for it. But um, to have a table to, to you know to sponsor a table it costs money it's it's a fair amount of money that's how they do that's how they do this this is how they make it happen anyway there's a couple of seats left at my table the the collision of faith and politics ninja pastor table and as such um we would love for you to come so for forty dollars you send the forty dollars to me and i need all your information because i'm going to send it to them they want to make a name tag and all that for you um you get a copy of my book i sign it and do all that stuff um i'll make it out if you already have my book and you say, hey, I don't need another copy of your book. I'm going to give it to a friend or a pastor or politician or you know, a school teacher. They, they'll hate it. They'll hate it. But um, maybe they won't. I don't know. I have a lot of teachers that like it. But anyway, for $40, you get this book, um, The Collision of Faith and Politics. I sign it for you. And we get to sit there together and have some fellowship and have some coffee and tea and fruit juice and fruit. I mean, the fruit, I don't know. This They're amazing with their fruit. I don't know how they do it. It's always fresh and good. And they have pastry, if you're liking that. Uh, if you're if you're really into that, then they have all that stuff. So for $40, which you send to me, you contact me, smgreener at gmail.com, smgreener at gmail.com. You contact me ASAP or text me if you have my number, if you're local. It's in Delaware, Dover, Delaware, uh, March 17th, 8 a.m. I think it starts at 8 a.m. I'll be selling my books. Uh, and then we'll come into the table when the thing starts. And uh, there's a whole list of great speakers, but but Tony Perkins is, is the uh, keynote. He's the headliner, and, and you, you don't want to miss it. So anyway, that's a great opportunity, $40, come on. And so that helps us defray the cost of, of the uh, of the table. So we'd love if, if you did that. So you got to ask yourself, when we talk about civility, Am I mutually pledged to my fellow Americans, or am I only pledged to my one issue, my one interest? Am I selfish or misgiven? Uh, do I have misgivings about my – I mean, come on. You know what? Steve from Ohio has a good point. I wonder if he ordered the hats then too. You know what? He probably did. It's very smart. Make America great again. Don't we all really want to make America great again, by the way? I mean, that is what we want to do. I'll talk more about that saying in a couple of minutes. But are we mutually pledged? What we're supposed to be is mutually pledged to keep the republic. And it's more difficult. And you know what? To tell you the truth, it's it's easier than we realize or accept. But it is, it's, it's tough. You just got to be 
You've got to think it through. Am I mutually pledged to keep the republic? Not to an issue, not to an ideology, but am I mutually pledged to keep the republic? I hope by now you understand that accepting the sobering fact that the stakes are as high as they are, oh, really, as they could ever be, it's our very lives. It's our very lives. When I come back from commercial, um, I'm going to tell you the apology that I owe, and I am absolutely, um, I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable with this. I've thought about it, and I'm really, really comfortable with it. So uh, be right back with you. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen, you need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes in your smartphone and and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be to second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a public, a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20630. That's a Ninja Pastors number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you know, Sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show uh, to follow the show, but there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there, and that will show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go, get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Welcome back 
to the collision of faith and politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. All right, so welcome back. Thank you for coming back with us. Appreciate you not bailing. So uh, I was wrong about Trump not giving details on his plans for things he only vaguely touches on in the debates and in interviews. Now, make no mistake. I, look, I, Cruz, Ted Cruz is still my number one candidate. You can argue, well, he's not, you know, all the stuff. You, you make up all that stuff. I, that is one thing I can tell you I have fully and completely researched, and I'm comfortable. I, in fact, I'm totally comfortable. I don't have any doubt. Cruz is my number one guy. However, if I'm wrong, I'm going to admit it, and I was wrong. And at the suggestion of my great friend listening right now and over in chat, Jerry, I read uh, – I know this is going to shock you, but I read Donald Trump's book last night. I bought it on Kindle, and I read it. And I realized in his book he details the details, why he doesn't go into the details in the media or at debates. He's defined his strategy. No doubt about it, he has a strategy. He absolutely has a strategy, and, and one of my buddies, uh, Steve from Ohio, he's catering to a pissed-off voter base. I'm, I'm quoting him. I don't, I don't ever say things so crude as that. You know, I'm, I would have said, uh, you know, something fluffy and pretty. Um, uh, they're not in their safe space. He's catering to a not-in-their-safe-space voter base, the voter base that's not yet been alienated or uh, disenfranchised. Um, or that doesn't have access to voting and is forced to have ID and all that stuff. That's what I would say. Anyway, no, I would say it just like he said it. But that's who he's catering to. And Craig and Chad have said, indeed, it's it's true. He's catering to it. But that's his strategy. You don't look at don't look at Donald Trump and go, oh, he's you know, I just don't like how rude he is, and, and think that it ends there. He's doing it on purpose. He's absolutely doing it on purpose. And you know how I know? I know because he says in his book that's what he's doing. You know what he's doing? What Trump is doing is he's following his plan. He's following his strategy for media, and he's winning election after election after election. These primaries are mini elections. We're going to talk about the viability of open primaries in just a second. But you know what? He knows America. Trump knows America. What's even more important is he knows American media. And, you know, he's playing both the American citizen and American media like a Stradivarius violin. He's playing it like a boss. Why? Why is he doing that? Why is he taking out? This is a strategy. Jerry's correct. Why? Uh, why? This is his strategy. He's going to take out the entitled establishment. He is the maestro of this. Why? Because he knows what Americans are thinking. He knows what they want and he knows what they need done. He knows they're ticked off and they're tired of it and they ain't going to take it anymore. And if and if it wasn't flat screen TVs that don't shatter when you throw them. Out a window, they'd say they throw their TV out. I'm not. I'm. I'm mad, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Look, he look. Donald Trump, for one thing, knows that America is on to the political upper class of Washington D.C., and they're tired of it. Look, just like I said, just like I said, Ted Cruz still my top choice. Uh, but if he's not the nominee, guess who's going to be my top choice? The nominee. 
I'll still say our better guy would have been Ted Cruz, but you know, my my top guys, Ted Cruz, Cruz 2016, I'm I'm down with that. But if he doesn't get it, whoever gets it is going to be my choice because we lose this one, we lost everything. Seriously, we've lost everything for real. Chuck Woolery, you guys remember Chuck Woolery? Great guy, really super nice man. Um, he's a conservative, he's a Christian, really neat guy, really really neat guy. Chuck Woolery, you remember Chuck Woolery? He he did this show. What show was that? It was some. Uh, it's like a during the day show. Uh, peeved. That's a good word. Thank you. That's much better. That's something they would say on Downton Abbey. Peeved. I'm so peeved. So Chuck Woolery, he did that show, and I can't remember the name of that show for the life of me. The Dating Game? No, it wasn't The Dating Game. What was it? Dang it. I can't remember. Anyway, he did the show. It was very popular. It was on for a lot, a lot of years. Dating Game. Yeah, people are telling me Dating Game. I don't know. I don't know if it's that. It was like a version of that. So anyway, um, so Chuck Woolery, at Chuck Woolery, um, he says this. Here is a point. Would you ever worry about who hashtag Ted Cruz would nominate as hashtag Supreme Court Justice? No, you wouldn't. If you're a conservative, you're not going to worry about that. You're not going to worry about it. You're going to say, hey, I know this guy's going to nominate somebody who's who's truly in full grasp of the true Constitution. And uh, and I'm going to put good people in there because I know what it I know what it takes. Here's a point. Here's a point. Would you ever worry about who Ted Cruz would nominate as Supreme Court justice? Man, that is sound and it's civil. Sound and civil. By the way, we have people in Germany listening. Just sent me a message. Thank you. That's awful nice of you. Thank you, folks. You sent me a really nice message. You'll have to tell me. Type me a message what it's like over there. I, I, I really want to know. It's, it's one thing reading about it in the news. It's a whole different deal hearing from the people that have to live with it. Look, I want to say this. I'm tired of hearing the criticism regarding eligibility for, for uh, Ted Cruz and the Canadian citizenship and all that stuff. I've researched that subject ad nauseum. I've talked, I've talked on this show a lot about it in detail. And look, I understand if you say, look, the natural-born citizen thing, he violates it. Uh, you know, and I support you on that. I have good friends, you know, uh, that are phenomenal. They're friends of the show, been on the show. Chris Ann Hall is a great example. She was an attorney. She's, you know, she studies the Constitution. Um, then, you, you know, she says, no, he's, he's not he's not eligible. And then you have other people who have, who have studied the Constitution and say, yeah, he's absolutely eligible. They study all the documents and all the related things. You go in context. He's... The bottom line is the, the Supreme Court's never heard it. Um, the the uh, Congress, you know, until they're the ones that deal with it, and they've never they've not dealt. Look, if they didn't deal with it in two thousand and eight and two thousand and twelve, newsflash, they're not gonna. I dare them to. But anyway, somebody's asked me where can I hear your old shows, uh, blogtalkradio.com backslash ninjapastor or theninjapastor.com backslash blog. You go to that, or just click on the blog. You don't have to type the blog in. Click on the blog. It's over there to the right in the top banner. Click on that. You'll be right there. Make sure you leave me a comment and let me know you were there. I, I, look, I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing it. 
But you know what I don't do when I see it and it's posted 952,000 times by people who are just out of their minds? I don't go on their page or their Twitter or wherever and say, you're crazy. What is wrong with you? I don't do it. I don't do it. I just say, well, you know, believe what you want to believe. That's cool. Whatever. I wrote an uh, article on, it's a brief article, I wrote an article on uh, to my friends who support Donald Trump for president. It's right on the blog there. I think we have 4,000 shares on that already. 4,000. You can be 4,001. I talk about that in there, and I give links and different things. All right, let me let me talk about this. So you guys got my um you guys got my my uh my apology, right? I, I, I do apologize. I, I I didn't dig any deeper on that, I didn't read his book, and so I assumed I did. I assumed that that's it. That's all there was. And and uh my buddy Jerry said, Well, you got a better look here. Jerry's not supporting him either, but if he's our nominee, Jerry's going to support him because everything is at stake. I do apologize, and if he was here, I'd apologize to him. If he's on my show, I'd say, you know what, I was wrong about that. I'm, you're not my number one, but hey, I'll support you vigorously if if you are the nominee. So let me talk to you about uh, primary states, open primaries. I'm just going to tell you it's the dumbest thing the Republicans have ever agreed to do. We do dumb things. Republicans do dumb things. We allow our candidates, we allow our uh, Republican National Committee to do incredibly stupid things. We actually once signed a, a consent decree after the George Bush 43 first win. We signed a consent decree saying we wouldn't challenge uh, other elections. We wouldn't challenge them. We signed that. Stupid. So in the 2008 presidential primaries, just so you have an understanding of what they are, I'll, I'll explain what it all is. Exit polls said in 2008, John McCain failed to win a single race among Republican voters up to Super Tuesday. Hadn't won a single one to Super Tuesday, right? Before Super Tuesday, that's when most of your open primary places, um, that's where they, that's, you know, that's where they are. So during the same period of time, so he hadn't won a single race among Republican voters up to Super Tuesday. During that same period, he went from also ran to the front runner because most non-Republicans who crossed over, in other words, Democrats, crossed over, they voted for him. You get this, right? You get this. So in New Hampshire, Mitt Romney won among registered Republicans. But John McCain won overall. Likewise, in South Carolina, Mike Huckabee won among self-identified Republicans. But John McCain won the state. Now, here's what we know. There's, there's an article by Judson Berger, really good article. I think it's at today. I think it came out today or yesterday. Trump doing better in open primaries. Cruz sees success in GOP-only contests. It's from foxnews.com, by the way. I agree, Craig. It's 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 uh it's lunacy to allow this. Lunacy. A pattern is starting to emerge that holds both promise and peril for Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump. Trump does better in open primary contests where members of either party can vote, while Senator Ted Cruz 
Texas Senator Ted Cruz tends to do better in closed contests limited only to registered Republicans. The pattern could lend credence to Cruz's claim that he's the consistent conservative in the race and continue to pose challenges for Trump as more closed contests, including the critical Florida primary, loom on the election calendar. But if Trump indeed is being boosted by crossover voters, it suggests he's a stronger general election candidate than Democrats give him credit for. Trump's got crossover appeal, said Christopher C. Hall, former chief of staff for Cruz backer and Iowa rep Steve King. To date, Trump has won a dozen contests, seven of which were open to voters regardless of your party affiliation, and two of which have a hybrid system. He has won only only three contests that were limited to registered Republicans. The folks, I want you to hear this. Please don't miss this. This is this this is the important fact. He, Trump, has only won three contests that were limited to registered Republicans, Nevada, Kentucky, and Louisiana. His victories in the latter two states were relatively tight, and that's a fact. By contrast, five of Cruz's six victories came in closed or semi-closed contests. The only exception was Texas, his home state. By the way, there's a lot of people. This isn't in the article. This is just me saying it. Um, Let me see here. I'm trying to find this comment, but I can't find it. Oh, well. Uh, There's a lot of people that I hear about people saying, well, Texas, the state of Texas, they don't even like him. They worked hard to get him elected, and they don't even like him. I mean, they've turned their back on him. I mean, he never votes. He's got the worst voting history in ever. And, uh, oh, he, you know, he kills kittens on his way to work. He drives over them in his big old SUV, and he pours gasoline out the back. And, you know, lie after lie after lie. He's owned by the big banks, and he's this. His wife has a job. His wife has the same job, essentially, that I had when I worked at a big bank. You think I'm NWO and I'm I'm owned by the banks? Do I sound like that? Come on. Come on. Well, he got a loan he didn't disclose. Yeah, he did disclose it. He just disclosed it on the wrong form. That's the piece of news you don't get. Anyway, an open primary is a primary election in which any registered voter can vote in any party's primary, whereas in a closed primary only, voters registered with the party of the primary being held may vote. In other words, if you're an R, you can only vote in the R primary. If you're a D, you can only vote in the D primary. In a mixed primary system, voters who have declined to affiliate with a party are allowed to vote in whichever election they choose. Crazy. Crazy business. It's like telling a kid, you, listen, Johnny, Joella, you choose today and every day what sex you want to be. You be whatever sex you want to be. Doesn't matter. You you're allowed to choose. Come on. That's the same thing. But we allowed it. We signed off on it. We said, hey, that's okay. Why not? So Christopher C. Hall, president of the DC based public affairs firm, Issue Management Inc., who previously worked with an arm of a pro cruise super PAC, said this speaks to the kinds of voters each candidate appeals to. Cruz's supporters are conservatives and Trump's supporters are populists. Say that again. Cruz's supporters are conservatives, and Trump's supporters are populists, he said. Some of Trump's supporters are Reagan Democrats. Some of them are Perot independents. But he said, even though Cruz may be drawing in the grassroots conservatives, 
It's good to have crossover appeal. He said Trump's performance in the open primaries bodes well for his competitiveness in a general election. Trump likes to boast he's growing the party beyond its traditional base, bringing in Democrats and minorities and other groups who might not normally support a Republican candidate. Jerry's absolutely right. There is no closed general election. Everybody votes for everybody. Unless you stay home and you say, I'm, I'm making a protest vote. So Trump tweets after a Super Tuesday win last week, which was huge. Why can't the leaders of the Republican Party see that I'm bringing in new voters by the millions? We're creating a larger, stronger party. Still, Democrats, in public anyway, doubt Trump with his inflammatory rhetoric and controversial uh, proposals could truly build a Big Ten campaign. At Sunday's Democratic debate, both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders claimed they'd relish the opportunity to run against Trump in November. With Sanders even joking, he'd give his right arm. Well, let me interrupt. Let me let me interrupt this article here. Of course, they're going to say that they're competing. Oh yeah, I want to run against this guy. I want to run against this guy. Oh sure, I do. So what else are they going to say? So anyway, back to the article. There may be another factor at play though in the contest thus far, and that is Cruz is performing better in the smaller caucus states where organization matters most. Republican strategist Adam Goodman with the Victory Group told FoxNews.com he thinks the result the results so far are a reflection of organization. Cruz is very well organized. I think he came into the campaign with a strong investment in social media and on the ground troops, and I think that pays off, especially in caucus states and smaller states. He said Donald Trump may be a lot of things in his campaign as well, but his campaign will not be written about in the record books as having the most organized effort in America. Now, how's that sound to you? The upcoming primary calendar, though, doesn't necessarily favor one type of contest over the other. Two states are holding closed Republican contests on Tuesday, Hawaii, Hawaii, and Idaho. Another two are holding open contests, Michigan and Mississippi, or Mississippi, as they say. And while Florida's primary is on March 15th, it is closed. The contests in Ohio, Illinois, and Missouri are open. Why? Why? Somebody tell me why. Meanwhile, the other two Republican candidates are fighting to notch their own wins wherever they can. Marco Rubio, who has only won contests in Minnesota and Puerto Rico, is banking on a victory in his home state of Florida, but has been trailing Trump in the polls there. Now, John Kasich, the Ohio governor, who mounted a very short-lived presidential campaign in the 2000 race, has yet to win a contest in this cycle, and he's vowing to win in his home state as well. Even as Trump and Cruz dominate the contest, it's unclear whether anyone could gain the necessary 1,237 delegates needed to clinch the nomination before the July convention. As of Monday, Trump has 384 delegates, Cruz has 300, Rubio has 151, and Kasich has 37. What do you think of that? So you're asking, who are the states with an open primary, open presidential primary? You ready? Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, New Hampshire, North Dakota, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, Virginia, Wisconsin. 
The open primary could also be viewed as bad for voter participation. This is in the article. Statistics show that the voter participation in the United States was higher when people could only vote in the primary for their own party. Meanwhile, though, I think one area where he's a little bit wrong is folks are coming out in this primary for Republicans hardcore, but I'm going to tell you, I think a lot of them are, are Democrats. I really do. I think they're trying to screw it up. Hey, this is the guy we want to – we believe we can beat this guy. For example, the 2008 presidential primaries, exit polls said John McCain failed to win a single race among Republican voters up to Super Tuesday. Remember that? I just talked about that. Now, I know an American who is open to the fact that they are a two-issue voter. You say, well, why, what do people vote on? What are they, what are they, what are they really sore about? What matters most to them? And so I, I reached out, ding, 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 to my audience, and, and someone responded and, and said, I don't, don't want to know your name, don't want to identify you, but, you know, can I say that you're a female and can I give whatever information you disclose in it? And I said, what are your two issues and why? What are your two issues and why? So this is what this person wrote. Back in the days of the original Clinton, this is about health care. One of the two issues is health care. Back in the days of the original Clinton presidency, we women, so it's a woman, flocked to Bill because supposedly he made us feel like he would, air quotes, take care of us. He understood our plight, our needs. Yeah, he'd like to take care of you. As a recently divorced mother of a teenage daughter, I found myself in the position of needing a politician who can make me feel like I'm going to be, quote, taken care of. There are two areas where I most significantly need to be cared for, health care and national security. Well, very well said. I don't. I told you I have the smartest audience. I don't have health care provided by an employer under Obamacare where I, while I could afford to purchase, quote, marketplace insurance, I am not allowed to because my salary isn't high enough. I, quote, qualify for Medicaid. However, Medicaid doesn't pay their doctors. So while I could get, quote, free medical care and insurance, it would be impossible to acquire uh, or the quality of the experience would be poor at best. I could, quote, lie in order to pay for the marketplace health insurance. I'd have to commit fraud now in order to pay for something, pay for something that presumably they want to give me for free. Hmm, so far so good, okay? The marketplace dollar amounts for me were very subsidized, discounted. The real cost was outrageous. Who pays that? No one can. I've also noticed and discussed with my current doctors how they are all looking to retire or join join larger groups of doctors to help defray the cost of complying with the new billing codes and procedures required by Obamacare. They are also, quote, very sad that they don't get paid by the various insurance companies, the ones that are still in business. And when they do get paid, it is after months after the service. Single practice doctors can't wait months to be paid. I read that, this is this person, I read that 90% of Americans are now insured since Obamacare. This is interesting since fewer and fewer businesses can afford to offer health care. They can't even afford to provide full-time jobs to employees because then they would be forced to provide them health care. Various health share plans Health share plans qualify for Obamacare status, but on close examination, they don't provide any of the security and care that to be able to buy with health insurance. This system is horribly broken for the consumer, the insurance companies, employers, and businesses. No one wins here, not one person. If somehow the headlines can say that more people are covered by health insurance 
it is semantics. Perhaps more people are designated in verbiage as being covered. No one has better health care than they had before Obamacare. This can be argued. No one, that no one has better health care, even just on the grounds that Obamacare ruined our health care system. And so it is now impossible to even have the same medical care that you used to. Man, that's, that is some power, powerful stuff. That's powerful stuff. Now here's the other issue this person has, national security. Hand-in-hand with health care is the ability to stay alive on my own soil. In the past few months, on a daily basis, schools in my area have had bomb threats called in. In the past few months, we've had terrorist attacks and threats all over our country. In the past few months, we've been told that more refugees will be coming into our small towns across the country. This, By the way, this lady should listen to my show where we have the refugee scam. I would listen to that one with Jim Simpson. That was really good. I'm going to have that guy on again. So in the past few months, we've had terrorist attacks and threats all over the country. In the past few months, we've also been told that more refugees will be coming into our small towns across the country without our knowledge, without our permission. In the past few months, I've learned what a sanctuary city is. And that, while it sounds lovely, I certainly don't want to live in one. Well, guess what? Guess what? I don't know what state you live in or what town you live in or what city you live in, but I can tell you where I live. It's a sanctuary city, and I didn't even know it. This person goes on to say, I want a president who understands that we cannot have regular lives while living in constant fear of terrorist attacks. This fact is understood since the basic reason for having reason for having a government at all is to protect the citizens and the borders. Without this, a society can't function. Things are out of control, and when things get out of control, the solutions will look and sound drastic because the devastation has to be corrected. Build a wall sounds outrageous, largely because we have neglected our basic law enforcement and security responsibilities for so long. Stop importing Muslims. Oh, this person is on my same page. And issue student visas to Muslims. Stop doing that. Stop importing Muslims. Stop in issuing student visas to Muslims. Send back the ones we have and call a timeout. I want a president that can put a cork in the gaping hole at the bottom of our nation's security ship. ASAP. I'm not advocating martial law or some sort of homeland security nonsense. Leave law-abiding citizens alone. Train and empower our police. Arrest the bad guys who start and foster riots over silly crap. Round up illegal aliens and send them home. Stop letting bad people in. Well, let me tell you. That's awesome. I might ask this person to write a regular, and you know, if they want to be secret, they can come up with a pseudonym, a regular, uh, a regular piece. Folks, uh, those of you listening, hey, that sounds like some solid stuff, right? Regular American, expressing how she feels. She says, she says, national security and health care—that's a big thing. Those are the two issues that really stand. Here's me. Here's me. Now, Now, my buddy Jerry, I'm very blessed, even with my brain injury, for short periods of time, I can read. I can still read fast if my eyesight is doing well. Uh, sometimes I just can't because I can't see or I keep – anyway, it's, it's a brain injury. It's a traumatic brain injury. So sometimes I have problems with that, and I never know when that is. But last night I happened to be pretty sharp, and so I read uh, Donald Trump's book. And – Part of that, here's Trump on guns and the Second Amendment. Now, that's big for me. Second Amendment, national security, those are big for me. Really, really big for me. So, you ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. Now, I read the book, my buddy Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Love you, brother. Uh, 
I'm a big fan of concealed carry and the Second Amendment. And this is why, now I'm going to read this to you, and this is from Jerry recommending, he said, hey, you need to look at this book, Donald Trump's book, Crippled America. It's the name of the book. Donald Trump, this is in his book. What I'm about to read to you is in Donald Trump's book. Now, again, I want to be clear, Ted Cruz is my guy. But I had to apologize because I was wrong. I was wrong. And I'm not too big to admit it. I'm not going to deny it. I was wrong. Here's his book. That's why I'm very much in favor of making all concealed carry permits valid in every state. Boom! Mic drop. Every state has its own driving test that residents have to pass before becoming licensed to drive. Those tests are different in many states, but once a state licenses you to drive, every other state recognizes that driver's license is valid. If we can do that for driving, which is a privilege, not a right, then surely we can do that for concealed carry, which is a right, not a privilege. That seems logical to me. The Second Amendment has been under attack for a long time. This is Donald Trump's book, Crippled America. Throughout the years, state governments have chipped away at it, adding restrictions. No other right in the Bill of Rights has been attacked as often as the Second Amendment. Some of these restrictions obviously make sense. For example... Felons and mentally ill people, they should, not have access to, they should not have access to guns. A purpose of a gun, among other things, is to offer protection, to warn those people who would try to harm us that we're carrying a weapon and that we will use it. Again, from Crippled America, Donald Trump's book, and this is what I'm apologizing for because I didn't know this book existed, and I didn't know that he spells it out like he does. This is what he says. In order to protect the Second Amendment, there are several significant steps we need to take. Most important, we need to start getting serious about prosecuting violent criminals. Sometimes it looks to me like the Obama administration has made only a token effort to take violent offenders off our streets. The problem is compounded by the pressure being put on police departments by community organizations who seek to make our police do their jobs with one hand tied behind their backs. Amen, brother. Violent crime in our inner cities is out of control. Murder rates are way up. There are far too many hardened drug dealers and gang members who are repeatedly involved in burglaries and drive-by killings. We need to get them off the streets so they don't continue to terrorize their neighborhoods and ruin more lives. Here's an example of what can work. That's You're darn right, Steve. An armed society is a polite society. You won't run your yap or attack anyone if there's a chance you might get bopped. Amen. In 1997, a a program called Project Exile was started in Richmond, Virginia. It mandated that if a criminal was caught committing a crime with a gun, he had to be tried in federal court rather than city or state court. And if convicted, there would be a minimum mandatory sentence of five years in prison, federal prison, without a chance of parole or early release. This was such a sensible program that it was supported by both the NRA and the Brady Campaign, sponsors of the Brady Bill, which, by the way, were crazy which had fought for restricted gun ownership. The Project Exile program was enacted, and it worked. This message was posted on billboards around the city, and a legal gun gets you five years in federal prison. In the first year, homicides and armed robberies declined by about a third, and 350 armed criminals were taken off the streets. A decade later, when the primary elements of the program had been supplemented by a somewhat less tough state law, the number of homicides in Richmond, Virginia, had still been cut by more than half. Why is this important to law-abiding gun owners? First of all, it offers an intelligent approach to reducing crime, something we all want. 
Second, it clearly shows that guns are not the problem. Dangerous, unstable criminals, they're the problem. The anti-gun lobby still seems to be confused about this distinction. We don't need to keep guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens. We need to crack down harder on the career criminals who traffic in guns illegally. Another important way to fight crime is to create an environment where our law enforcement officers are appreciated for all the good work they do, as opposed to being singled out and criticized for the few bad officers who give police a bad name. I realize, and I deeply regret, those situations where a police officer acted poorly under pressure and used unnecessary force. These incidents always draw much more attention than the exemplary police work that goes on day to day. This is Donald Trump. Let's be clear about one thing. Our police do an amazing job in dealing with all the potentially explosive situations they face on a daily basis. We know, for example, that most crime is committed locally within a neighborhood or even in a household, where an argument can escalate into violent anger and action. Who gets called into these situations? Well, it's the police, of course. It is their job to rush in and calm things down. They are protecting neighborhood residents from the criminals in their midst. Detectives have to pick up the pieces when a robbery or murder occurs so that the perpetrators can be brought to justice. That's from Crippled America, How to Make America Great Again. That's why I have to apologize. I was wrong. He is. He does give detail. Donald Trump gives detail. Hey, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. When I'm wrong, I can admit it. By the way, speaking of anti-gun people, uh, Bloomberg has come out now and said, I am not entering the 2016 race. Yay. It crippled America is on Amazon for $13.99, or if you do Kindle, it's uh, like $3.99. Thank you, Jerry. says a lot of people don't know about this, uh, this book because low-information voters, um, he thinks Trump has been saving it for the general election. That could be. That could be. It's pretty powerful. I read the whole thing, and uh, I might have skipped a word here or there, but I can tell you it's it's powerful. So here's the, an evaluation that, a, that an editor uh, and, and literary expert has given, and I'm going to read this verbatim. As a billionaire developer who has never helped – by the way, I'm just going to, I'm going to cut to the chase here. The person writing this is a raging liberal. Okay, this is, I'm not going to give the name, but this person is a raging liberal. As a billionaire developer who has never held off elected office, Trump has a different perspective on current affairs than do most politicians, Republican or Democrat. While many of his positions would fall into classic Republican tropes such as pro-gun rights, opposition to the Affordable Care Act, and tighter control of the borders, there are nevertheless some surprises. In at least one way, his solution to increase government's role in health care, namely, is to provide financial regulation of the insurance companies to make sure they have the necessary resources to continue providing services. Calling for more government oversight and regulation is an unconventional stance for a Republican. However, when the candidate is questioned about some previous statements, he is sometimes appearing to be thin-skinned, or accuses the media of misrepresentation. Trump also excels in pointing out the problems that face America, including problems he claims were caused by the Obama administration. However, he often seems much less specific when it comes to providing detailed solutions. Instead, he repeatedly insists he get the best people to join his administration to help him solve America's problems. As a developer, Trump sees himself as a big ideas thinker. For his projects to succeed, he's accustomed to delegating all the details beyond the basic beautiful idea. Now, here's why I read that to you. Here's why I did that. They say it's the death knell of any radio program. Seriously, this, this is what they tell me. 
You should never read on your radio program. This is what they tell me. Anyway, this is why I read it. Because I wanted to say to you, I read it verbatim. At least I read the book verbatim. This was taken. This was taken from a professional book aggregator and like Cliff Notes guy. That's what he does. He writes Cliff Notes. This is the guy's assessment of the book. Can you tell he didn't read the book? Just by that one passage on Second Amendment, you can tell he didn't read the book. He's a liar. Don't be like the liar. Don't be like the liberal that doesn't read. Don't be like the conservative that doesn't read the whole article, doesn't read the whole book, doesn't read the whole post. Don't be like that. Don't look at the headline or look at the, the cover and say, oh, you know, this about that. So here's Trump on national defense. This is according to his book. Now, remember, I just read to you a super, super ultra-liberal guy whose job is to read books, synopsize them, and put them out in cliff notes. This is what he – this guy's paid for this. Now, this is Trump on national defense, according to his book. This is directly from his book. The career diplomats who got us into many foreign policy messes say I have no experience in foreign policy. They think that successful diplomacy requires years of experience and has an understanding of all of the nuances that have to be carefully considered before reaching a conclusion. Only then do pinstripe bureaucrats consider taking action. Look at the state of the world right now. It's a terrible mess, and that's putting it kindly. There's never been a more... Um, hold on one second here. Let me help these folks from Germany. Hang on. Hang on. Wow. Wow. Okay, so... They're telling me that where they live, and they've asked me not to say exactly where in Germany, but I can say major city, that it is chaos. It is chaos in the streets, that they have fear. They leave their house totally and completely afraid, and that they cannot, by law, have a gun. Wow. Wow. Maybe a... I'll send you a private message, and uh, and and we'll get some more information on that. We'll make sure we protect your. And this is you're right, Steve. It's all refugees. Air quotes. I'm telling you, go listen to my show on refugees, the refugee scam. I'm telling you, it is a scam. It's like two or three shows ago, three shows ago maybe. Anyway, back to the back to the book. Some of these so-called ex. Oh, okay. The so-called Washington insiders within the Washington ruling class are the people who got us into this trouble. So why should we continue paying attention to them? Some of these so-called experts are trying – now this is on national defense – are trying to scare people by saying that my approach would make the world more dangerous. More dangerous? More dangerous than what? More dangerous than what we are now? More dangerous than where we are now? Here's what I know. What we are doing now isn't working. And years ago, when I, just started, when I was just starting out in business – this is Donald Trump's words, not mine. I figured out a pretty simple approach that has always worked well for me. When you're digging yourself deeper and deeper into, hole, into a hole, stop digging. My approach to foreign policy is built on a strong foundation. Operate from strength. That means we have to maintain the strongest military in the world by far. 
We have to demonstrate a willingness to use our economic strength to reward those countries that work with us and punish those that don't. That means going after the banks and financial institutions that launder money for our enemies, then move it around to facilitate terrorism. And you know what else we probably shouldn't do? We probably shouldn't give them $150 billion to people who have sworn to wipe us and Israel off the map. And we have to create alliances, this is back to the book, alliances with our allies that reveal mutual benefits. If we're going to continue to be the policemen of the world, we ought to be paid for it. We have to demonstrate a willingness to use our economic strength to reward those countries that work with us and punish those that don't. That means going after the banks and financial institutions. Come on. Come on. I just read it to you. Did you hear that? If we're going to continue to be the policemen of the world, we ought to get paid for it. How many people fought the uh, war? Now, I'm telling you, if you're going to go to war, go to war and get her done. Get in there and get after it. Don't mess around with this, try to win hearts and minds. Don't be a democracy builder. Blow stuff up. That's what you do in war. You blow them up. You, you, you rob them of their ability and will to fight. Just get her done. It, people used to say, the liberals and some of the people, conservatives said, and no blood for oil, no blood for oil, no blood for oil. What are you, an idiot? We didn't get a dime. Here's the crazy thing. We would, our military vehicles would go to a gas station. Sometimes they'd be light on gas, and, and they'd say, hey, if you've got to get gas for your vehicle, got to get fuel for your vehicle, you know, don't go in some big line and sit there and be a target. But, you know, they provided them means to buy fuel. Well, when we bought fuel, it was 2 or $3 or $4 a gallon. When the regular Iraqi bought fuel, it was $0.25 cents a gallon. What are we, idiots? I agree with that. People say, well, that's immoral. What's immoral? What in the world is immoral? You're out of your mind. The book goes on to say, Teddy Roosevelt always believed we should speak softly and carry a big stick. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Roosevelt because of the federalization of land, but he was true here. Speak softly and carry a big stick. It's true. I've never been afraid to speak up and protect my interests. And truthfully, I don't understand why we don't speak more loudly about the ways we're losing around the world. If we don't speak up, how is anything ever going to get better? How are we ever going to win? Here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. How are we ever going to win? People are like, wait. That winning business sounds good. I like the sound of that. I like the sound. I want to win. By gum, I'm tired of people giving trophies to everybody on the team, same as me. I was MVP. I scored 150 goals in the year. You know, we won every game. I'm MVP. How come everybody else gets the same trophy I do? Tell me why talk about that in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. That's available on my website, theninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com. Go there, buy the book. If you're anywhere near me and I'm speaking or you, you invite me to come speak at your group, I will sign it, autograph it for free. It will instantly be worth half. You're welcome. So there's an article by Richard Lardner, Washington AP. The tip of the spear may be losing its edge. Navy SEALs tell congressmen There's a combat rifle shortage. Do you remember when I started the show, I said, there's something I'm really mad about. I hope I get time to do it. Well, I got time to do it. Navy SEALs tell congressmen 
This is a real article. This is AP. This is not some blog or something like that. This is this is a real article. This is AP from Washington. Navy SEAL teams don't have enough combat rifles to go around. Even those even as these highly trained forces are relied on more than ever to carry out counterterrorism operations and other secretive missions, according to SEALs who have confided in Representative Duncan Hunter, Republican from California. After SEALs return from a deployment, their rifles are given to other commandos who are shipping out, said Hunter, a former Marine who served three combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. By the way, I've communicated with him, and he has agreed to be on the show. Um, we just got to work it out. And I never can seem to – when I can do it, he can't do it. By the way, next week, you guys, Drago, speaking of Navy SEALs, retired Navy SEAL, vaunted – I mean, he's a SEAL SEAL. And I've not talked to anybody that didn't have maximum respect for him. Drago will be on next week. He's been on the show a couple of times before. He'll be on next week. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk about. That will be a surprise. So after SEALs return from deployment, their rifles are given to other commanders for shipping out. Duncan Hunter, the weapons carousel undercuts the train-like-you-fight ethos of the U.S. Special Operations Forces. Hunter said he'd been contacted by several SEALs, but he declined to provide further information about the weapons they use in order to protect their identities. Of course, he's one of the smart ones. Instead of our, instead of our vice president outing SEAL Team 6 and DevGrew before, before the alleged uh, Hussein, uh, what's his name, when we killed Osama bin Laden, um, you know, if you believe that, that we did, in fact, kill him. Um, before the body was even cold, he's saying, oh, yeah, Navy SEALs, and guess where they are? They're here. This is where they are. I'm going to go see them tomorrow. They're great. U.S. military officials said they're looking into the issue. Of course they are. Sharing rifles may seem inconsequential, but it's not. The weapons, which are outfitted with telescopic targeting sites and laser pointers, are fine tuned to individual specifications and become intensely personal pieces of gear. Let me just tell you, as a guy who has done sniper, we'll say practice, as a guy who has used professional sniper rifles, um, I have to tell you, all right, here we go. Germany is talking to me again. Wow. They said they can't even have guns. Wow. Well, I might make a show around this, folks. This is some powerful stuff, stuff they're telling me. I, I want to I be able to read this and only put out what won't get them in any sort of trouble. But they are – they're telling me – I mean, they're, they're going out. They're taking kitchen knives. Um, they're, take, they're hiding kitchen knives in their pants. They are trying to get dowel rods. But there's a run on dowel rods. Wow. That's scary. That's scary. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Um, anyway, we're going to find out more about that. So anyway, they're finely tuned. Look, you look, you 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 custom the stock, the cheek weld where you put your cheek when you fire. You know the eye relief, how far your eye is from the back of the scope. That's all finely tuned stuff. I mean, that's not it's it's, it's not a modular thing. We're done. You know, come on. Here's the thing, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. What's C- we talked about uh, Admiral McRaven today, um, Karen and Billy Vaughn, uh, you know, they sat down with him after their son was killed. Um, and Aaron Carson Vaughn, it's his name. 
in Section 60 of, of uh, Arlington, Virginia National Cemetery, died on extortion 17. You know, they want answers. And he made a bunch of lies. He said a bunch of lies. He said, oh, we we got so much money. We're, we're in the seals. We have so much money. We don't even know what to do with it. Now, here we go. This, the problem isn't a lack of money, according to Hunter. Congress has frequently boosted the budgets of special operations forces in the years since 9-11 attacks, he said. Rifles also are among the least expensive items the military buys, leading Hunter to question the priorities of Naval Special Warfare Command, the Coronado, California organization that oversees the SEALs. There is so much wasteful spending, he said. Money's not reaching the people it needs to reach. Combat rifles can cost up to several thousand dollars, depending on the type of weapon and quality of the sights and other attachments. But the M4 carbine, the standard, like your AR-15, the standard combat rifle used by the military branches, costs less than $1,000 each when bought in bulk, according to the Defense Department budget documents. Hunter wrote last month to the Naval Special Warfare Command's leader, Rear Admiral Brian Losey, about the alleged weapon shortage and asked him for a full accounting a full accounting of how the command's budget was spent last year. Losey has told Hunter to expect a reply by Wednesday. We'll follow this, folks. We'll follow this. The congressman said in a February 17th letter that the command's operation and maintenance account increased by nearly $11 million between 2014 and 2015. Yet it is suffering from budgetary constraints and lack of funding impacting the ability to equip, equip train, and support the SEAL's critical needs. Army General James Votel, the top officer for the U.S. Special Operations Command in Tampa, Florida, and Losey's superior told Hunter last week that he is aware of the congressman's concerns. We certainly are running that down, Votel said during a testimony. Before the House Armed Services Committee, Votel added that heavily used rifles need to undergo maintenance, and that might be contributing to the perception of a shortage. But we'll certainly take immediate action, Votel said, if it's determined that the combat readiness of the SEALs is being degraded. One of the SEALs who contacted Hunter blamed a slow, penny-pinching bureaucracy that rarely seeks input from the service members who actually use the gear. According, By the way, they use it, I don't know, for life-and-death situations. I mean, they're fighting for our country, and they're fighting for their lives. No big deal. Uh, slow, penny-pinching uh, bureaucracy that rarely seeks input from the service members who use the gear, according to a brief excerpt of his comments that the congressman's office provided to the Associated Press. Delays of as long as three to four years paralyze the acquisition system, the SEAL said. Once an item has finally been approved for purchase, new and better gear may be available, triggering the same lengthy screening process to see if it's worth getting instead. Ammunition also is in short supply for training, the SEAL said, because of the bulk of it is being used for combat missions. Well, you know, how about the IRS? How about we get the billions of rounds they have? How about that? How how about the how how about the the mail service? How about we get the billions of rounds they bought? How about BLM? Thank you, Craig. How about BLM? How about we get that? I don't think they need it. All they do is kill innocent men with it. Unarmed innocent men. Just saying. 
To meet heavy demand, the number of active duty troops assigned to Special Operations Command, which includes SEALs, Army Green Green Berets and Rangers, and Air Force Combat Controllers, has grown dramatically during the past decade. From more than 33,600 to 56,000, there are currently 2,710 Navy SEALs. The overall budget for Special Operations Command is $10.4 billion. And the Obama administration is proposing a $400 million increase with the overall current total for the coming fiscal year, which begins October 1st. In his letter to Losey, Hunter also said he's received reports that the command is slow to settle official travel claims due in part to money shortages. This can cause personal and professional problems for SEALs who hold high-level security clearances, he said. Service members who hold U.S. government travel charge cards are ultimately responsible for any late fees, interest, and accrued balance on the card. So if the government fails to quickly process a voucher, the service member might have to pay out of pocket or face an overdue bill. A lapse in payment could be forwarded to a credit agency, Hunter said, and that could result in a seal being declared ineligible to hold a clearance and thus lose his job. Yeah, I'm supporting the military. $400 million I give Special Operations Command. That's more. I gave more than the last time. I'm pro-military, Hussein says. Well, really. Let's look. I'm going to blow through this really quick. This is the Washington Examiner. Washington Examiner reports Obama's top 30 most disrespectful insults to the military. Number 30, looking past all of his civilian aides to order a Marine to hold an umbrella over his head like a butler for an entire speech at the Rose Garden in direct violation of military regulations. Forcing race-baiting class warfare propaganda, extreme PC sensitivity measures, and gay pride month on soldiers. 28, taking credit for success of the surge that he opposed in Iraq. 27, taking credit for the success of the interrogation policies he opposed that located Osama bin Laden. 26, skipping the funeral of the highest-ranking officer to be killed on foreign soil in over 40 uh, 40 years, Major General Harold J. Green, to play golf. 25, skipping or uh, smearing veterans as a potential domestic terrorist. 24, trying to make wounded veterans cover their own medical treatment through private health insurance plans, which would inevitably end up increasing their out-of-pocket costs. Blaming our troops for the Taliban attacking them, for everything from objecting to pedophilia and advocating women's rights to not wearing latex gloves while handling Qurans and walking in front of Muslims while they are praying. Rushing in to misrepresent the Fort Hood massacre that killed 13 soldiers, one of whom was pregnant, as mere workplace violence. 21, giving captured terrorists at Gitmo who were drenched in soldiers' blood a $750,000 soccer field, cable TV, entertainment, classes and painting, etc., while stripping away benefits for the soldiers at every turn. Ordering federal agencies to make the sequester cuts as painful as possible for the American people, which ended up cutting tuition assistance for soldiers and increasing other college costs for armed forces across the board. Denying veterans from all over the country access to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., over a staged government shutdown while allowing illegal immigrants to hold a political rally on closed federal grounds. Cutting military health benefits and pensions while increasing spending on unionized federal bureaucrats. Those are, of course, as you know, Democrat voters. Ignoring a former Marine frivolously, uh, he's a friend of mine on Facebook, Um, ignoring a former Marine frivolously imprisoned in Mexico on trumped-up 
weapons charges, using soldiers to help a terror-sponsoring dictator fight off outraged civilian protesters, purging the military of oath-keeping constitutionalists, imposing draconian cuts to the things we're actually supposed to be spending tax dollars on under the Constitution, like the military, while exploding spending on things the federal government has no authority to even be involved in, as with the left's trillion-dollar health care takeover. Silencing and criminalizing Christianity in the military. Banning time-proven interrogation techniques and insisting on treating foreign terrorists as mere common criminals to be tried in American courts as civilians. Suppressing military votes. Imposing ludicrous rules of engagement on our troops that have needlessly gotten many soldiers killed. Appeasing our enemies. Backing down after drawing red lines in the sand. Betraying our allies and dismantling our missile defenses. All of which needlessly endanger our troops, cutting troops down to pre-World World War II levels and then allowing illegal, this blows my mind, folks, allowing illegal immigrants into the military, allowing veterans to die on secret waiting lists at VA hospitals all over the country after being warned about the manipulated numbers and obscene delays in care. Welcome to Universal Healthcare, folks. This happened back in 2008 and continues to happen now. Abandoning three decorated veterans and a United States ambassador to be dragged through the streets and tortured to death by bloodthirsty Islamic savages in Benghazi, Libya, and then falsely blaming it on Americans having the right to disagree with Islam in public. Releasing numerous terrorists back onto the streets so they could return and attack our soldiers, including one who ended up becoming the leader of ISIS. Releasing five major terrorist leaders to appease the Taliban and releasing one America-hating deserter. Can you say Bo Bergdahl? The guy deserves a bullet to ventilate his cream. I'm just ventilate the cranium. Get it done. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in Iraq while handing Afghanistan back to the Islamic fundamentalists who facilitated 9-11, the Taliban. Number two, openly funding and arming Islamic terrorists. Number one, endlessly trampling the Constitution that soldiers are sworn to defend and attacking the rights they fight, bleed, and die to protect. Lest you think, lest you think, folks, lest you think, well, the Navy SEALs, uh, well, that's one thing. They're the, you know, know, very expensive stuff. There's only 2,700 of them, by the way. 2,700. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm just saying, folks, I, I want you to understand it's not just Navy SEALs. It's not just the pinnacle ones. It's not just the Green Berets and, and the Rangers and, and all of that. It's not just special. Regular guys, Fort Drum aviators deployed to South Korea say the Army is forcing them to spend hundreds of dollars a month for dining facility meals they don't have a chance to eat. This attempt by the Army leadership to save money by taking out of their pockets of their own soldiers who are deployed is not only unfair, it is plainly un- unacceptable, said the letter writers, listed as the soldiers of the 6-6 Cavalry. In their anonymous letter to the Army Times, and for many of the soldiers in our unit, it is fiscally impossible to reconcile. Attempts to reach Army officials in Korea to ask about the policy were unsuccessful. 10th Mountain Division spokesman, Lieutenant Colonel Donald A. Corpy, in an email to the Army Times, said division commanders, d- division command leaders there and at Fort Drum were aware of the issue and are communicating with Army officials there. The dining facility policy, titled Essential Unit Messing, 
that's the mess is what you call it where you eat, went into effect February 1st. It is applicable to all soldiers in deployments on deployments to the peninsula according to the Army Times. A total of $313.50 is being deducted from the soldier's basic allowance for subsistence to pay for the meals. The Army Times said enlisted soldiers' allowance there is $368.29. This is per month, by the way, while the allowance is $253.63 for officers requiring them to pay $59.87 out of their pockets for the meals. While there may be a legal policy to back up this fiscal decision, there is a major oversight being made, the soldiers wrote. An Army unit spokesman told the paper... An Army spokesman told the paper that that the change was to ensure soldier health and readiness while on extended operational deployments to Korea. In their letter, the deployed Fort Drum soldiers say that their ability to obtain meals at the dining facilities is unworkable, given at the times that their aviation unit currently operates. And, folks, this is normal. This is normal. You you don't work a a, a 9-to-5. Without going into great detail, our typical day-to-day operations require our personnel to work odd hours, the soldiers' letter said. Sending soldiers to the dining facilities during their current operation hours would disrupt operations to the point of mission failure. The soldiers noted that the dining facility is 40 minutes each way away from their work site by shuttle, making it essentially impossible to budget time to eat there. It is safe to assume that a soldier would be away from their place of duty for approximately two and a half hours each meal in a 12-hour workday. How do you feel about that, America? How do you feel about that? That's your president. That's Barack Hussein Obama. That's the guy who swore. I got you back. Hope and change. Hope and change. Hope and change. Fundamental change. Fundamental transformation. I tell you what, the next president better be awesome for national defense. He better be awesome on the borders. He better be awesome. On Second Amendment, because you know what we're going to have to do? We, us veterans and us non-veterans alike, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to fight. We're going to have to get the federal government off our back. We're going to have to get all these PC safe space fools. Got to get them away. They got no business. No business. Messing with us. Because we're fixing, we're fixing to go to war on a scale you just don't even know. I'm telling you right now, we're not prepared. I'll grant you this. Trump's not my number one guy. Obviously, Ted Cruz is. I think Ted Cruz, uh, I'm just going to say this plainly. I believe Ted Cruz would make a phone call, day one, to Islam all over the world. He'd, He'd make a phone call. Iran, Afghanistan. I don't know if ISIS uses phones or what they do, but... I believe he'd make a call, and I'd, and I'd say the same thing Ronald Reagan said to the Iranians first day in office after the abysmal Carter debacle. And he said, I will turn Iran and anyone that comes to your aid to a parking lot. We will count the loss of our hostages, of our American citizens that you're holding hostage, that's collateral damage in war. We will we will turn your country into glass. You have 24 hours. Boom! We all of a sudden got our stuff back, got our people back. This president has our military soldiers crying and with their hands up, 
when they get boarded by Iranian soldiers. It's embarrassing. And we thank them for treating our people so well. Suck it up, buttercup. Time to stop being a wuss. Time to stop with all the safe, ba- safe spaces. But listen, if we can't be civil to one another, if we can't be civil to one another, we are lost. Because we are going to be shoulder to shoulder. And if you think we're going to come shoulder to shoulder all of a sudden out of nowhere, if you think that's the case, you're smoking weed. You are smoking weed. Because we're not. We've got to learn to be mutually pledged one to another. Mutually pledged. Folks, you want to learn about more about mutually pledged and what it's like? I would say to do this. For real. I would say to do this. Go to theninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com. Look for the link to Center for Self-Governance. Go over there. We do classes all over the country. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It will change your life. We don't have time to get crazy. But we do have time, just barely, to get mutually pledged one to another. Not to the issue. Not to the candidate. One to another. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you tough enough? Are you civil enough? Are you informed enough? Are you mad enough? Let's get with it. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drshawngreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.